It's all you. What? Ooh, that was loud. Sorry. Oh, make up your mind. Are you going to be loud or are you going to be quiet? <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Hawkeyes Morning Radio Hour with me, Jonathan Zavaleta, and my guest today is Harper Thompson. Hi, yes. Thanks for having me. And today we're discussing a little movie called The Phenom. Yeah, so I'm Harper. (laughs) And I'm Jonathan. And this is Hawkeyes. Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it, I feel it. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. You want a little cliff that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, whoa. But I'm really not funny. No, no. And we shouldn't have a contract. What? <laughs> okay. had to put do that so that we could put the theme song in yeah no you wanted to do it because you had to you had to take away my moment of glory i'm sorry we could do the rest of the podcast npr style if you want no 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 i just mean i was doing the intro my way and you decided it wasn't good enough for you no i thought it was very fun <laughs> well today we're discussing the phenom we are, yeah. Or should we do a little check-in first, see how we're doing? Yeah, what's up? What's going on? Uh, not much. It's another solo up, no guest. Mm-hmm, it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, we're just like really living guests. in quarantine together. Yes. Yeah. We're each other's guests. That's true. I'm hosting you and you're hosting me. That's right. And I'm guesting on your show and you're guesting on my show. Mm-hmm. It's like two koi fish in Avatar. Yes. Yin and Yang. Yes. It's like um, uh, Merlin and Arthur, two sides of the same coin. So true, dude. Um. Yeah, I guess I'll do a little catch up on my media consumption. Oh, are you not going to do that for what things you've been enjoying? Oh, I don't know. I've watched a lot of things lately. Oh, so you can you can plug all sorts of things. No, okay, I'll save it. No, 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 that's no, okay. Because no, 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 no. I, I, I only consume one media at a time. So if I started talking about it now, I wouldn't have anything to talk yeah, about Yeah, no, okay. That's fine. You're right. You're Do right, we need right. to close the windows? Oh, shit. Yeah. Thank you for doing it for me. I'm kind of connected to this device. Oh, yeah. That's much better. That one might still be open. I can, yeah, I can hear it. That one's open? I think so. I'm sorry. No, it's closed. It's closed? Yeah. What am I hearing then? Yeah, my mind is just traffic whizzing past a window. How fair are Ethan Hawke of you? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like, um, what's that song from Dear Evan Hansen where he's like, and I'm standing at the window. You always ask me these things <laughs> like I would know. You saw it with me. Yeah, but I'm not going to remember the songs from the show. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't like really listened to the soundtrack much beyond that, but that one song really stuck with me where he's like, and I'm knock, knock, knocking at your door. Da, da, na, na, na. 
Wait, because I, that's the first song. That's Yeah, that's probably the first song. I think it's the big one. Because I think I saw the performance of it at like the Macy's Day Parade. Is it the Macy's Day Parade or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? I think it's just the Macy's Day Parade. Day Parade right? No, I think it's just called the Macy's Day Parade. I don't know. I think it's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because it's on Thanksgiving, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is on Thanksgiving. But I thought that maybe just Macy's co-opted Thanksgiving. Would that be fine with me? Macy's Day Parade. I'm looking it up. It is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It still says on Google that'll be on November 26th. We'll see about that, Macy's. Maybe. There's no crowd. Yeah, both Macy's and November. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, Macy's, Macy's and, November and parades are existing. Yeah, November. that's true. It's like, ooh, dang, boy. that's rough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I saw the performance of by the cast of the of Dear Evan Hansen at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on TV one year, a couple years ago, I think, maybe two years ago. And that was my first introduction to, are you eating oatmeal while we record? (laughs) We could have... Okay, as Mr. (laughs) Music taught us, oatmeal is a pretty quiet food. So I feel fine doing... Well, I guess he did yogurt, but still. Oatmeal is a pretty quiet food. I felt fine eating yogurt. I mean, eating oatmeal while we were recording mm-hmm. i set the mic down i started eating oatmeal and then you instantly called me out i just was surprised that's all because yeah, like, we were talking about oatmeal earlier i was like you know i could go for some oatmeal it's like an interesting combination you have there of like oatmeal and like a cocktail or something yeah i have oatmeal in an old fashioned <laughs> <laughs> they the two do not go together but i'm gonna eat the oatmeal first and then drink the old-fashioned Nice. Well, I mean, I could see like a kind of, I don't know, like a maple whiskey oatmeal. Oh, yeah. You know, that seems like a thing. Yeah. A little breakfast bar situation. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a totally original idea. I've been to something like that. Oh. Called Nighthawks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever go to that place? We went together. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had like um, cereal milk alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it was like vodka mixed with milk that tasted like fruity pebbles or something yeah 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 that kind of thing it's kind of like a white russian i guess kind of yeah yeah anyway what you were talking about dear evan hansen yeah no i was just talking about it because i said that my mind is like traffic whizzing past a window and uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's all yeah that's all um yeah i'm saving my media for the end um yeah, there's really not much else to check in about. Oh, my birthday happened since we last recorded. That was nice. Yeah, how was that? It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you, Jonathan, mm-hmm. uh, made me dinner. and My parents came by for a socially distanced uh, present uh, opening. Mm-hmm. On the lawn. On the lawn, outside, yes. Um yeah and then it was kind of a three-day affair because that was the first night of the actual birthday and then the next night i did a google hangout a zoom sorry i paid for zoom now 
well it's okay it'll be good for the podcast because it'll be easier to do it'll be higher quality i think over zoom than how we've been doing it so anyway so yeah so i paid for zoom so i now have that for a year and yeah so i did a zoom call on one night with some friends and then i did a zoom call the next night with some other friends Mm -hmm. it was just a good a good nice chill mellow birthday oh we watched some movies um on my birthday we watched some of my childhood favorites um a little princess Mm -hmm. by alfonso Cuaron and sugar and spice the 2000 2001 movie Mm-hmm. forget which year one of those years mm-hmm. with the cheerleaders who rob a bank yeah yeah did you like them they it were was, fun yeah your first time seeing both of those movies yeah yeah they were fun yeah it was good to revisit them they did they did hold up pretty well i think um so. a little princess had some some troubling uh racial elements i would say that haven't aged so well, but I will say it's part it of the original more just story. just kind of like miss, um, well-intentioned, but slightly misguided. Yeah, Compared yeah, yeah. to uh, Sugar and Spice, which was a little just like intentionally problematic. How so? Well, they had some like Asian jokes and stuff. Oh. Did you forget about that? You just, I might have just blocked yeah, you that just, out yeah, entirely. No, the, no this, the third act, there were quite a few kind Ooh. of problematic jokes. Yeah, I might have just kind of... I mean, that's how all comedies of that time were. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I was thinking more about the um, In a Little Princess, just because I remember just thinking it was like so magical. But now watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, there's like, you know, some, you know, kind of Asian mysticism. That's oh, yeah. yeah like yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, it's is what it is. Mm hmm. But probably wouldn't fly now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me a lot of Annie, actually, because I rewatched Annie not too long ago from 1980, mm-hmm. which also has some like Indian mysticism stuff with one of the characters who's um, also like a servant to a rich white man, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And also, it's about an orphan girl in New York. It's mm. a lot of similarities between Annie and the Little Princess, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Except for Annie, it's more like rough and tumble and a little princess. Sarah is like, all girls are princesses. You know? Anyway, so yeah. So birthday was good. I'm glad. Thank you. Well, today we're talking about baseball. We sure are. Something I know nothing about. Well, I don't think you have But to. it's okay because That's there's really like, almost no baseball in, fact, in this movie. If you did if you went into this expecting baseball, you'd probably be a little disappointed. Yeah. That's true. This movie's called The Phenom. Yes. Directed by Noah Bushell. Yes. Bushell. One of those. Starring. Johnny Sims. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Simmons. Simmons? Is it Simmons? Simmons yes. Yeah. Simmons. I think Johnny Sims is like a porn star or something. My bad. I don't know. <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> um, okay, Johnny, Johnny Simmons. My bad. Um, I should know. I should know his name because he's been in like everything forever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because he's playing like a character that's like probably between the ages of you know fifteen to twenty five in this movie. You know, it, it spans a period of time, but like. Uh, 
you know how long has he been playing 15 to 25 like i think the earliest i remember him was in jennifer's body in maybe 2009 he was playing a teen mm-hmm. and this movie came out in 2016 so that's kind of that's that's a good while to be playing a teen mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah um but yeah so he plays uh hopper jr hopper jr the mm-hmm. main character um, and Hopper Sr. is none other than Ethan Hawke. Yes, that is right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Hopper Jr. is a baseball player. And at the beginning, he uh, we see him flop pretty hard at, yeah. a, at a real baseball game. Yes. Like, a, is he Major League? I, think, mo- yeah, he's yeah. A, I think he's a professional. Yeah, yeah. he is professional. Like I wasn't sure deal. if it was like, yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if it was major league or minor league. I don't know. No, anything I don't about think baseball. reporters follow minor league baseball players. No, I don't know what baseball people do. Anyway, okay, so he's a major league baseball player and he messes up, and so we're seeing that at the beginning, and then it kind of like zooms out, and we see that he's in therapy with Paul Giamatti. Yes, who is a sports psychiatrist. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're discussing pitching. Yeah. I. I loved this. I don't know. I I liked Paul Giamatti as a therapist. Mm-hmm. I think it's very natural to see him in a cardigan, you know. Yeah, the it everything felt very real to me. Everyone mm-hmm. felt like it was like just watching real people talk about. And I I feel like the to to I th- a lot of it had to do I think with Johnny Simmons. He was very. Is that his name? Yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> he was very very kind of naturalistic. Very. I agree. He felt like a real, like a kind of guy who, you know, is more comfortable playing baseball than he is talking about himself. And I believed it. And there's some uh, modern electronica music and then some credits over a floral background. Oh, yes. I really liked these opening credits. Um, it's like a messy, a messy like script font that I really mm-hmm. liked yeah. over in the like you kind know the, like a grandma wallpaper. Yeah, it was like a green uh, wallpaper with pink florals on it, mm-hmm. um, and it had this classical song that was playing over it, and I cannot for the life of me, I have no idea what it is, but it was very familiar, and it not only plays during the opening titles, but we also kind of hear it throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene when it's like a flashback to high school, and there's a kid in the band who's playing the same song on the trumpet. And it's like, why, you know, there's, it's, there's no reason for someone to play that song on the trumpet. So it's like clearly like a theme throughout the movie. Right. Um, and there's another time too later in the movie when we hear it again. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked those opening titles. It was just such a, it was just wasn't what I was expecting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but we do see that wallpaper again later in the movie it's the wallpaper that's in his mother's house in florida oh okay gotcha yeah Yeah. so yeah because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere but then you see it again later and you realize that it's all kind of connected to his you know experience you know everything is about all of his experiences Mm -hmm. and how they all lead up to where he is at the beginning of the movie right um so yeah so after the opening titles it cuts back to um when hopper is in the in the stadium leaving he's like leaving after that big game he messed up 
we're a little like forward and backwards in time. So I think like the major periods in time we see are um, high school mm-hmm. and then when he's starting to play baseball and then um, the period where he's uh, in therapy after he's messed up that one game. Mm-hmm. Those are the three major points of time that we see. Um, so, yeah, so there's a kind of interesting visual with him after he he messed up the, the big game where he's um, he's leaving and all of the commentators are... Uh, well, we hear the commentators, like he's like listening to them on the radio um, as he drives away. And then he there's a an image of him pulling up to a stop and behind him there's a mural of a man holding a gun and it's pointed directly at his head mm-hmm. and it's like this is you know a little heavy handed but I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, kind I, of I missed that. I missed that scene. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about like several things in this movie. Is that like it's a little obvious, but I still liked it. Like something about this movie just really worked for me. Mm-hmm. And he's in a classroom, and it's uh, his teacher is uh, yeah. Heather Dunbar, right? Yes, Heather Dunbar, Elizabeth Marvel. Yes, and she's talking to him about real life. Yeah, so she went to high school with his father, Hopper Senior. Right. Uh, who, uh, we we learn from Elizabeth Marvel, and also from the baseball coach, who also knew him in high school, that. Uh, Hopper Sr. really messed up mm-hmm. his last year of high school. He got into like drugs and alcohol and he stopped taking baseball seriously. He was also a baseball player that was, you know, supposed to make it big, mm-hmm. um, but didn't because of substance abuse and getting into trouble in general. Um, and so he's, Hopper Jr. is like repeatedly like, you know, it's really reinforced from every adult figure in his life. Like, don't turn out like your father, which is a lot of pressure for someone who is also, he says he's like the number three top scouted baseball player in the country right. as a senior in high school, you know? So that's a lot of pressure to add on top of a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say that I thought was interesting was that um, it's Hopper senior and junior, kind of like how in boyhood it was Mason senior and Mason junior. Yeah, two kind of, you know, name names. Yes. Yes, uh, very name names. Yeah. Um, Things that you would find in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> a mason jar. And yeah, a, a mason jar, a hopper. Like, I don't know. You know, hopper's like kind of like a cylindrical container. Hmm. I didn't know that. You know, like my coffee grinder has like a the cone on top mm-hmm. where you put the coffee beans. Mm-hmm. That's called a hopper interesting yeah the more you know mm-hmm. um yeah so in high school even though he's like in high school he has a he has this girlfriend who's named dorothy mm-hmm. and um they're clearly like pretty different but care about each other yes and he goes to her house f- uh, with her to have a date with her parents. Or <laughs> yeah, date my mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets dinner with her family. Yes. Um, and so 
his parents are very nice they're like pretty intellectual people i think um and but they they're very nice to him and like ask him like oh do you think you're gonna go to college or like go straight into baseball and he's like uh, i don't know i think trying to like appease them because he'd think that his like his girlfriend's you know like intellectual parents would want him to go to college be that kind of you know kid yeah. and then the mom is like oh no like they're like screwing you out of money at the college as if you're you know they were just making all that money off of you so you know it like went way better than it kind of felt like it was gonna go mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. beginning um let me talk about lebron they do talk about lebron and then yeah. the mom accidentally calls him lebron and then it's like a cute little joke yeah they talk about uh how lebron goes to went they're trying they're talking about like you know you have to do things with like love and then he was saying that like lebron went uh he went back to cleveland went back to cleveland he's like yeah he did it for love he did it for kevin love (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of funny yeah basketball joke yeah yeah i understood what was going on because i just listened to that iconography episode about lebron Mm -hmm. which did they discuss that whole thing about him leaving cleveland and yeah what did they say? Did they say that it was funny? I don't fine? know. It was like a like literally over two hours podcast about LeBron James. I don't remember anything specific, but I did re- retain enough information to like know. Yeah, because that was yeah. the thing that I kind of didn't like about him is that he ditched Cleveland for mm-hmm. Miami and then came back like he was God's gift to Earth, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you know? Yeah, you should listen to that episode of Iconography. And then, and yeah, yeah you might have some content to engage with there. That's sure. more satisfying than me just saying, yeah, mm-hmm. about LeBron. <laughs> you get some angry tweets about LeBron. We're going to get angry tweets about LeBron? Yeah, because I criticized him. Oh, yeah. And I'm in LA. That's true. We are in LA. Yeah, and he's a Laker now. I was wearing yellow and purple today. That's cool. That's like. Lakers, mm-hmm. yay! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know sports. Also, I went to a Lakers game and LeBron wasn't playing, so I also have a chip on my shoulder <laughs> about that. He was injured, mm-hmm. and Lakers tickets are so expensive, which I don't blame LeBron for. Yeah. I blame Magic Johnson for, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of sports, baseball, baseball, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so. Even though things were seemingly going pretty well with uh, Hopper and Dorothy in that one scene, um, we see them again later when they go out on like a date to a diner, and he's so preoccupied with you know his baseball career because he's like on his way out to like you know be a real major league baseball player, um, and she says she's trying to like calm him down and like get him to just be in the present, and mm-hmm. she says it's just baseball. And he says, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. And it's like, so he's so full of vitriol. Like he's like, he seems like a sweet boy, basically, except for when it comes to baseball. Yeah. And when the second, like he's, you know, in baseball mode, it's, that's all there is. And the fact that she would suggest that there was anything outside of baseball to care about, like really yeah, set him off. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like uh, Born to be Blue where their relationship is fine until it comes to the fact that his he his passions are the most important mm-hmm. thing because he's a big deal 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, and then... Also, it's interesting because, like, it doesn't seem like he likes baseball. No. He does it because it's what he does. It's, yeah. He does it because it's what he has to do. It's because what his dad wants him to do. It's what everyone wants him to do. Yeah, and because he's good at it. He's I good mean, at it, yeah. But it doesn't seem he... He's passionate about it. He's mm-hmm. devoted to it. He cares about it. But you never get the sense that he does... He plays baseball because he loves baseball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get the sense that he does it because, like, it's just... The, it's the thought of anything else just simply never crosses his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we could see a little bit about why that is in the next scene. Um, this is the first scene where we actually see Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been in prison for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... We know that he's about to come home and stay with them, even though he's been like out of their lives for uh, for a while. And he's going to stay with Hopper Jr. and the mom. Yes. Um, and he uh, he's just like sitting on the couch watching a baseball game. Yeah. And what, shoes on, on the couch, shirt off. Like his yeah. shirt is like unbuttoned. Open, Hawaiian yeah. shirt unbuttoned. His shirt's always like unbuttoned in this yeah. movie. He's like smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And really, f- you get you get the sense of who this dude is right away. Yeah, and the the other thing though is the very first thing that he says the second Hopper Jr. walks in the door, he says, "Has your arm?" That's yeah. it. Like this is the first time he's seen his son in like five, ten years. Who knows how long? And he just says, "How's your arm?" Like that's, that's all he. The, cares. Yeah, that's like the first thing like anyone says to him. Like his, when true. his coach talks to him, mm-hmm. they sit down. His coach does seem to actually care about him. Yeah. But every time his coach like talks to him, the first thing he says is like, "How's your arm?" And then they'll start talking about something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but with Ethan Hawke, it doesn't really seem that apparent that he cares about anything else. Yeah, um, definitely. When and he, he, he's like very like surprisingly good at playing this like shitty emotionally abusive dad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like i i don't know that i've ever really seen him play this kind of character before i think maybe once like i guess tape mm. he's kind of in a similar way um and there's one other one that I, it's just not coming to me right now cymbeline mm-hmm. he's kind of gross in that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i don't know that we've ever seen him like this before mm-hmm. and i think he does a really good job yeah um he says i don't think so slim yeah <laughs> that i had just i just watched this clip with bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Deezus and Marin. he was talking about like when he was like visiting new york for the first time and he's like from the midwest and he went to like a video store because like they didn't have video stores with as many you know he he had he there were so many options at this video store so he goes and he starts walking around and the guy at the video store is like hey slim you gonna rent anything? He's like, uh, no. Then get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we see Ethan Hawke's like you know abuse and actions in a couple in action in a couple ways in in this scene uh first he he literally takes a beer can and throws it at hopper jr's head yeah and it like cuts him in the forehead yeah um and then the next thing we see is he he's talking to him about he had seen a photo 
of him standing on the pitcher's mound smiling and he was like the first rule we have is that you don't show any emotion on the mound yeah and he's like what do we do when you break a rule wind sprints then he makes him go outside and do wind sprints until he looks like he looks like he would have made it do it made him do it until he passed out yeah if his mom hadn't come home yeah um she comes home and he sends him inside and then we see his parents interact which is you know also kind of yikes yeah i've never heard wind sprints before i've never heard that that oh really before. yeah i've only heard them i suicides i would call them suicides yeah that's what i would i've heard them both interchangeably mm-hmm. maybe maybe we don't like to try to avoid saying suicide as often i don't know maybe that's why they call them wind sprints i don't know i don't know that that that's a consideration i don't think so you know like not a through street huh instead of dead end people like say that, that? Well, you see signs that say not a through street. Why would you say that? That's so many more words than dead end. You've never end. seen a sign that said not a through street? So you don't read signs then? I guess I've seen signs that said not a through street. Because I'm said. pretty sure at the end of our block is a sign that says not a That's through That's possible. No, yeah. I just hadn't thought about it. Not a through street is a lot more common than dead end. But there's so many more words there. Yeah, exactly. They probably do it maybe because it's like, you know, we don't want to have these negative messages maybe. I guess maybe dead end just sounds really dramatic. Exactly, yeah. But it doesn't sound... I wouldn't... Okay. You wouldn't what? No, I don't think that it's like, oh, we gotta protect people from this murder language. <laughs> you know? I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe it reinforces negative ideas. I, I don't know. I don't know the psychology of it. Speaking of psychology, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Um... Yeah. Oh, I did want to say one thing. Ethan Hawke says that I have have think it's the most Ethan Hawke line of the film. Um, uh, when he's outside and with the mom, and then she goes inside, and he's left alone, just like smoking a cigarette on yeah. the hood of the car. He says, "Time, the great destroyer." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, right? it like felt like really out of left field, but it felt so Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke pulls the director aside. He's like, "Hey, man." I- <laughs> You know, after we do this scene, I feel like, I, I don't know, I just, it needs something else, you know? So, what if I'm, like, uh, smoking against the car and I, like, I don't know, like, have a little line, like, a little Bukowski, you know what I mean? Like, a little, a little out there, a little crazy, a little, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, what do you think? Like that. Uh-huh. That's yeah. what it feels like would happen. I think that's exactly what happened. We love you, Ethan. Come on the show. Yeah, Ethan, we love you. Come on the show. What is the deal, wanna, man? You know? <laughs> I want to know about everything you've ever improved, and I want to know about why you weren't credited for one last thing. It's so true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He'll never tell us. I don't... I think If we ask him straight up, he'll tell us. No, if we ask him straight up, he'll be like, sorry, I can't say. Why, why would someone not be credited? Like, there's no reason why you aren't credited in a movie that he was really in yeah he was in at least three scenes of that movie mm-hmm. more than some other movies we've seen him in yes there can't be a good reason why he was not credited in that movie it has to be something that he would probably not talk about mm-hmm. i've ex- done extensive research on the internet of this movie uh, about like i've of one last thing I like. I really tried to find anything about Ethan. It's hard to even find like photos of him associated with it. There's like 
a couple photos of him at the premiere. Mm-hmm. He was at the premiere. But he was uncredited. He was uncredited in the film. Crazy. Okay. Anyway. But we're talking about the phenom. <laughs> With Paul Juba, which he I'm, is credited I'm so heated in. now. He is credited in. He is credited it. in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ethan Hawke makes... Uh, oh, also he has a Felix tattoo on his nipple. <laughs> he really does. He has a lot of tattoos in this movie. Yeah. He's the most ridiculous looking Felix It's so big. It's like tattoo. his entire like pec muscle yeah, yeah. is just covered and with And the nose tattoo. is like Felix's... No, uh, his, his nipple, nipple is Felix's nose. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and that's another good, good line. And is um, Hopper Junior asks, uh, "That's a lot of ink. Doesn't it hurt to get that much dark ink?" And he says, "What does he say? He says like, uh, pain is just our body pushing weakness out, or something, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that." Mm-hmm. It was like it was very a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ethan Hawke makes uh, Johnny Simmons wake up at 3.30 a.m. to go jogging, mm-hmm. which is, it's it's so unhealthy for a kid in high school to wake up at 3.30 a.m. to start exercising that early. It's just so unhealthy because, like, you're doing that, and then school starts at 8, and then you're in school all day, and then you have baseball practice starting at, like, 2, 3.30 Mm-hmm. you know so that's already been 12 hours that you've been awake now that you have to like do the thing that you're like suppo- the sport that you're supposed to be doing the actual practice of you know yeah it just feels so sick and unhealthy but yeah so uh then we kind of had to um another another session with paul giamatti so it's like it feels like it's like pretty much every day for a week he's seeing paul giamatti mm-hmm. so we see you know one day and then he kind of reflects back on some things and then we cut to the next day mm-hmm. um because paul giamatti has been hired to like really to help him as fast as possible cure his his uh case of the yips as they call it um or well paul giamatti doesn't call it anything because he doesn't want it to like right. solidify uh in hopper's mind but but yeah, so the next session, I really loved the look of this scene. So it's like all the lights are off in this office, and the only light coming in is like natural light from outside, but it's raining. So you get this like really kind of dramatic shadow of the raindrops as they're like dripping down the window, and it like, you know, casts a shadow on both of them in the office. Mm. And I really liked this look, and it reminded me of one of my favorite movies, Ordinary People. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also about a young athlete and his psychiatrist. Um, I think he's an athlete. No, maybe he's not an athlete. Maybe his brother was an athlete. Do you remember? No. Yes, he was. He was a swimmer. Yeah, because Mary Tyler Moore. Every day you walked into this house at 6.30, you were lying to me because he said he was swimming, but he wasn't. Anyway, so um, yeah, a lot of things about this movie reminded me of Ordinary People and also Goodwill Hunting. Hmm interesting young man and a psychiatrist mm-hmm. you know um but yeah so this scene in particular though with the with the rain on the there's like ordinary people has like a really like rainy vibe to me mm-hmm. um i think largely because his brother died in a boating accident when it was storming so i think about that and i think when i think about ordinary people so yeah anyway so um yeah so in this session 
they uh they he, there's another flashback mm-hmm. to a game in high school where he's playing and Ethan Hawke gets arrested and take away the, by the cops yes. while he's in the middle of a game. But he he kind of talks about this this focus that he has while he's playing where he doesn't really like think about anything else that's going on. Like while he's on the mound, that's uh, the only thing that's happening is the game. Mm-hmm. So the the way this was shot is kind of interesting where it's like it, it looks pretty tunnel vision. Yeah, it's like red. It's like a red uh, circle, circle, like a red binocular, not binoculars, but like a yeah, red like negative, scope. like red with like a negative space circle mm-hmm. in the middle, where that's where you could see uh, what what Hopper's seeing. So you you could see his eyes, his eyes kind of flit over to where Ethan Hawke is being taken away by the cops, but then they go straight back mm-hmm. to um, to the game. And then, and then you also, the coach walks straight up to him and it's like, he's looking directly into the camera to, you know, reinforce that it's his, uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Sims perspective mm-hmm. that you're getting there. Um, yeah. So that was kind of an interesting scene. Yeah, it was interesting. I wrote it. I called it some real, I wrote down some real art film shit going on. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing about that was um, sometimes it's hard to tell when there are sirens in movies because yeah. we have like almost sirens nonstop sirens time. by yeah. our place just because of where we live. Yeah, they um, sounded very real. They did sound really real. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it, like it I took me quite a while. And there was also like someone doing something weird outside our apartment the entire time we were watching this movie. So I, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, is someone like getting arrested? Is this guy getting arrested mm-hmm. out there? Um, no, he wasn't. It was fine. He was just doing some weird stuff with like he was like collecting scooters, but it was weird. I don't know. <laughs> but he didn't seem to have a vehicle. Like he was gonna put them into a vehicle to charge them. Like mm-hmm. he just seemed like he was going places and then bringing them to our corner right outside our house. It was just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always something weird going on. Yeah. Um, little little peek into our our neck of the woods. Neck of the woods. Yeah um yeah so after when they come out of that flashback they're still in this therapy session and um paul giamatti reads a passage by f scott fitzgerald uh about um connecting to his younger more like possibly more talented self Mm -hmm. and he kind of uses that as a way to um maybe try to connect to hopper about his experience and what's going on with him yeah because he tells him how old he was when he wrote it right Mm-hmm. yeah because he said he wasn't he wasn't actually very old when he wrote that it was just that he was so talented so young mm-hmm. you know similar to hopper who was like a baseball prodigy i feel like this is the second recent fitzgerald reference because we had um what was that movie the no bob mock movie with uh, Jeff Daniels. Oh, the Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we watched the Squid yeah, and the Whale. There was a reference to Fitzgerald where he calls, um, uh, what's that book? Oh, uh, Tender's the Night. No, the other, the other one. one. The Side of Paradise. Yes, he calls it Lester Fitzgerald. Yeah. And like then I think shit. he, yeah, and then I think he recommends Tender's the Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that movie was like, so I really liked that movie. I don't know. I loved it when he described Kafka as Kafka-esque. Yeah. That's so good. 
But yeah, so then Hopper explains the thing about not being able to show emotion on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was a you know that rule that Ethan Hawke had for him, and um, and then Paul Giamatti kind of like presses on that. He's like, so you can't show emotion at all. And he's like, no, not on the mound. And he's like, are you ever not on the mound? And he's like, yeah. no, I'm I'm always on the mound. Like it, it's it's me and then everyone else. Yeah. Just like, yikes, dude. Yeah, it's very us versus me against the world. Me against the world type attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a result of abuse, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and uh unfortunately like there's a a time when he's not on his guard shortly after this. We see um I mean this is still in the flashback, but he he's uh <laughs> touring is not the right word. I don't know what to say for baseball. He's like <laughs> he's on tour with his team. Yeah, he's on tour with his team, <laughs> yeah. Um and they're staying at a motel. And he can't sleep, so he goes out to, by the pool, and there's a girl there um, who flirts with him. Yeah. And then she takes him back to his room, and then it turns out that she's, like, holding him up. And so yeah, her partner Yeah, a guy comes shows in. up, knocks on the door, and she's like, are you expecting someone? He's like, no. And he's like, are you expecting someone? She's like, actually, yeah. And then the guy comes in and has a shotgun. And he's like, mm-hmm. stay there. And she's like, sorry, sweetie. Gets to rob you. <laughs> Give me your watch. Yeah, she takes his the, watch and his earrings, earrings and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. No fun getting robbed. I assume. No, I would think not. Um. Yeah, and then we just kind of see him on the bus the next day, looking out the window, and he can't. Yeah. T- he can't tell anyone about it because it's like so against the rules to even like you know. I think look at a woman <laughs> when you're playing baseball. You know what I yes, mean when you're. That's true. Uh, I think they have they have some kind of strict rules when you're touring uh, mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that also kind of messed him up a little bit. Yeah. Um. And ultimately, he does go to see Dorothy again. Yeah, she's she's at home, I think, for a you know vacation or winter, some sort of break. And she she says she's going back to New Haven, which means she goes to Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best little moments in this scene where he goes to see her is he. The whole thing is about how he, you know, he's he's. I mean, it's so like metaphorical, it's so Kafka esque. No, it's not. Um, how he doesn't have control with yeah. his baseball throws, which he doesn't have control over his life as well, man. <laughs> but he doesn't have control over his baseball throws. Um, it's like the, the term that they keep using, control. Mm-hmm. He's very technically gifted. He can throw the ball very fast, but it doesn't always go where he wants it to. And there's a scene where he's trying to get Dorothy out of bed, and he throws a pebble Mm-hmm. from you know the, the it's a big house it's a big yard so it's a pretty far throw he throws a pebble and it like hits the 
the side of the mm-hmm. roof and then he's like damn it he has to throw the second one and then it hits the window and that just kind of like goes to his his issues you know even there like he's throwing a pebble and he the first time he misses and the second time he does it right mm-hmm. which is kind of like a little just a little moment you know but it was kind of fit in with the whole thing mm-hmm. clearly very thought about moment yeah definitely and yeah and i think their their conversation as well like just felt really real mm-hmm. um basically the whole thing is she wants him to open up and he just can't he can't do it and she's like i'm in love with you and i'll be here when you are able to talk to me but like you know we can't be together if you can't talk to me yeah it's like just very sad mm-hmm. um yeah and then we see the next their next his next session with paul giamatti they actually go out to a baseball field mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. one and um he, he does a little, little obi-wan on him blindfolded <laughs> baseball yeah he hasn't visualized the time feelings (laughs) yeah basically i mean he's like when were you happiest playing baseball and the like the only thing he could think of is like when he was five before Mm -hmm. he really played Mm -hmm. and he was just with some friends playing you know playing around yeah and so uh paul giamatti has him close his eyes and think about all the details of that day and then just throw Mm, yeah and then he i don't know he said he threw strikes i can't tell i don't know baseball i can't tell. well i think intentionally they don't show us oh i thought they did oh did they i kind of thought they did and i was like sure who knows i think this movie would actually be a little bit better if i knew a little something about baseball Mm -hmm. to be honest i mean i i still enjoyed it and i was able to get like most of it do you know what a strike is when someone you throw straight to the catcher and then the baseball the pitch the hitter guy can't hit the ball because it's like oh that's too fast i'm scared Mm -hmm. do you know what third base is um (laughs) it's forward (laughs) yeah i'm just asking because i feel like hooking up you know what i mean like Uh everyone has a different definition of oh like oh we hooked up it's like well what does that exactly mean Uh uh-huh so what what is what do you think third base means oral okay Oral arguments, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like before the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of like the courts in in baseball terms because that's just, you know, mm-hmm. Jonah Hill. That's who I am, you know. <laughs> Jonah Hill. You know, Moneyball. Moneyball. I forgot that movie a lot. Well, probably because you do, you're not as connected to baseball. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about baseball. I did like, I did think the math was Sorkin. fun. Yeah, and Sorkin. Oh, you like the math? Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, it's real dad vibes in that movie. He's yeah. a literal dad in that movie. That's why. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. There's um another I felt fun. That, I felt that Moneyball was Sorkin esque. <laughs> you should write a review of Moneyball on Letterboxd and, that's and say that. Yeah. I felt it was Sorkin esque. Yeah, give it five stars. Your only rated movie. It's not a five star movie though. Four. 
Well, if you liked baseball, you'd feel differently. Probably. What is the truth? <laughs> I, you what know, I, I don't know that I've talked about this on the show a lot, but I have a deep appreciation for inspirational sports movies. Which this is not. This is not. I don't think. I mean, this is like a a troubled young man in therapy movie that features a little bit of background sports. Yes. It's not an inspirational sports movie. Um, Or any kind of sports movie. Yeah. No, I... I... Yeah. So, I mean, I like... I like some of the ideas of sports, like the narrative of sports. Yeah. You know, I like uh, underdog stories. Yes. I love overcoming obstacles. Yes. I love working with the team. Yes. I love a, a coach that comes in and whips you into shape. Yes. There's <laughs> some crying in baseball. Yeah. Or, uh, this you movie's know. all about crying in baseball. Yeah. He doesn't really cry, but it's about feelings. It's about feelings in baseball. He, I, Yeah, I don't know if he ever actually cries. There's The closest thing is, um, well, I don't really want to jump ahead because I would like to do this in order. Just because I think it's like, to there's this one scene that is like, almost the emotional climax of the movie but it was my favorite scene in the movie probably okay but we will mm-hmm. we'll get to that um so the next the next part we see his um either his lawyer or his agent i c- wasn't entirely sure i guess his agent probably i think his agent yeah yeah um i this actor's name i gotta look him up but i know him from private practice uh, which is something again like this is the second time i've tried to describe someone to you this week as being on private practice like that wouldn't mean anything to you yeah you do that a lot <laughs> you, you reference these shows from the 2000s that only like 40 year old professional moms have watched and you and no uh, one else has watched and paul adelstein of course yeah well, you, if you had said that, I would have known. Uh, his, yeah, he's known for his role as pediatrician Cooper Friedman in the ABC medical drama Private Practice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. his second. The first thing he's known for is uh, Prison Break, but it's the second thing he's known for. So I wasn't like crazy to. I've never seen Prison Break, but uh, yeah. friend of the show. show. Is Prison Break a TV show? I was asking you if you knew. It's a TV show. <laughs> yeah, Prison Break is a TV show. It was just like the biggest show on TV for like a long time. I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I uh, you know I I don't follow the. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's this is not fair of me. I did like r- legitimately read the TV guide as a child. So <laughs> like. <laughs> It's just uh, so this is what you're up against. Still, is everything you need to know about you. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. I <laughs> 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 just imagine you holding a kid holding a TV guide. Yeah. Well, when they were littler, when the, when the TV guide oh, they were was, small, so it yeah, looked like were you were holding a normal book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's even funnier. <laughs> Uh, just you sipping on like a little coffee cup with orange juice in it <laughs> a little marble on the other hand <laughs> yeah kids like plastic toy cigarette yeah i they don't i don't think they make those <laughs> <laughs> not anymore i'm sure they used to <laughs> plastic toy cigarettes i'm 
I'm sure they used to. Yeah. I mean, like it seems ca- uh, upon now. candy cigarettes used to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they are anymore because it's like encouraging children to smoke. But they, I, you know, definitely have. Yeah, them but as you a can kid. make anything into a little cigarette. No, you know? yeah, of course. Their shape is very intuitive. Do you think that kids pretend to vape now, like with a straw, like instead of like smoking with between their fingers, they do hold it between their index and their thumb? No? I think even a kid knows that a vape looks goofy. <laughs> If you vape, you look like a dummy. I don't think so. I can, I can really, I could really picture like a small child, like just pretending to vape. Yeah, I just vaping looks so silly to me. It just really does. Smoking looks cool. Yeah, smoking looks cool. Vaping looks silly. Yeah, because you're 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 smoking because you're smoking a a a Bluetooth headset. That's what you look like. (laughs) You look like you took a Bluetooth headset out of your ear from 2005 and you put it in your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> and you blow up candy juice you look dumb is what i'm saying yeah well you know who probably does vape who uh hopper's agent <laughs> yes i'm sorry i'm just roasting people who vape I, I don't know it's okay we love all of our listeners even those who vape but i wish you wouldn't for your health it's true so i think we have some friends who vape don't we yeah so you can cut you can cut all this out yeah uh no that's okay i still wish that people wouldn't vape for their health uh even if they are our friends especially if they are our friends so true but that is their business and i respect that yeah but i just want everyone to be okay but you don't want the lung explodies no i don't want their lung explodies yeah yeah um so yeah so he the agent comes over to the hotel that hopper is staying at Mm-hmm. He's staying at this hotel while he's working with Paul Giamatti so that he's, you know, in one location, you know, because he can't even play anyway. So there's no point in him t- touring. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, so his agent comes by and he tells him that uh, Ethan Hawke has been arrested again for drug smuggling. Right. And, um, and then... Hopper asks if his uh, sponsorship from Under Armour was okay. And I was like, oh, that explains a lot about this movie. Because, like, he's like, only ever wears Under Armour in this movie. Yeah, he's got the hat. He's got yeah. the little mock neck shirt yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, his sponsorship is fine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they eat, like, a big lobster dinner, which he's definitely not supposed to be eating. Right. I think the whole the him asking about the sponsorship thing goes to the point of like what he how he feels about baseball. Mm-hmm. He's more concerned about like he like he's not he doesn't love baseball. You know what I mean? He just like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, it's like it's it's his it's his career. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's not, but it's not like you know something he loves. Yeah, he's more worried about about his first thought is like oh sponsorship, but it's not it's not even that he's worried about the money. It's just that like you know the sponsorship is part of what baseball is Mm -hmm. and baseball is who he is so he has to worry about that you know what i mean yeah yeah and also like he doesn't even really ask about ethan hawk too much he like yeah uh the agent says oh your your father's been arrested again and he just asks what for and that's the only thing he really asks about yeah yeah okay so then this kind of brings us into what i think is my favorite scene of the movie um so, oh, yeah. So when he was talking to his agent, he, like, kind of learned some stuff about Paul Giamatti. Yes. And he brings this into the next session. 
Um, he confronts Paul Giamatti about Howard Glass, who was a baseball player who he had worked with when he was younger, um, who killed himself. Yeah. Um, and... And in the, one of their early sessions, um, Hopper brings up Howard Glass. Mm-hmm. And he asks, oh, did you work with him? And then he... Paul Giamatti just kind of like shrugs it off. He's like, uh, not much, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and he says that he did that because he was trying to, you know, like focus their work on Hopper and they didn't want, he didn't want to get too into Howard Glass or any other players. He just wanted it to be the Hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Hopper is like really, he's getting, he's like defensive about it. Yeah. Um, he feels betrayed in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, and he said that he, he's like, you know, I looked you up, and he asked him some stuff about like, his ex-wife and, like, uh, you know, a lot of personal details. But once I kind of get through all of that, though, um, Paul Giamatti starts to, like, ask, you know, ask him some questions again that are, like, really emotionally draining. Um, and then he just, he, it, it becomes a lot for him, and he just says can i lie down for a bit yeah and then he curls up on the couch and paul giamatti puts a blanket over him and it was like it's really intense yeah yeah he's like just intensely belittling paul giamatti and paul giamatti just kind of like gets what's going on Mm -hmm. it's not really about him yeah it's about his his own issues so yeah it's an intense scene yeah he's a good he's a good movie therapist so true yeah um yeah and then uh the very last scene is um i guess technically probably the emotional climax of the movie no i think that the scene with paul giamatti is the climax and then the scene with ethan hawk is like the denouement (laughs) didn't want means climax though oh yeah. does it really <laughs> i think so it's the it's the outro oh uh, yeah it's the postscript yeah you know yeah um yeah so hopper goes to see hopper jr goes to see hopper senior ethan hawk in prison and uh he said so- he no, told- you meant is the final part oh, okay. of a play movie or narrative in which the strands of the plot are drawn together and matters are explained or resolved Oh, but then it says the climax of a chain of events. Yeah, I think that's it. Does this, mean the climax? This, that's two. That's two different things. I think they mean though, like when everything comes together. Uh, maybe you see, but then you see this, and then it shows a different thing. It shows climax and then denouement. Uh, Do you see? Do yeah. you see the third? Two? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, I see. What I see. Do you see? <laughs> I see. Thank you. The <laughs> listeners can't see, but we were looking at yeah, some well, kind no, of chart we... about uh, yeah, structure. So... Um, okay, whatever. This is the last scene on the movie. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. So then he tells his dad, oh, my mental coach. And then he's like, your mental coach. You know, he's really. Yeah, incredulous. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this a few times where he doesn't like believe in. You know, he doesn't think that any coach really is is as good for him as he is for his own son when it comes to baseball. Yes. And also we get this idea of how people feel about Ethan Hawke because uh, there's a scene where Hopper is like talking to Paul Giamatti and he says, oh, well, my dad says that 
um, that pain is weakness leaving the body or whatever. And Paul mm-hmm. Giamatti's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that makes sense in like a twisted macho way. He mm-hmm. basically kind of like, you know, because that that is kind of like a kind of like macho guy thing to say, like, oh, pain is weakness leaving the body. It's like, well, yeah, pain is your mind telling you that something isn't right. Mm-hmm. so it it is kind of like it is kind of indicative of like a certain attitude towards life that is perhaps not the healthiest totally um and and paul Giamatti is kind of like yeah all right so yeah anyway yeah but in the scene with ethan hawk we i just think ethan hawk really kills it mm-hmm. acting wise i think he he embodies his character and he's able to do some like really subtle acting Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. the confines of his character and he he like starts crying by the very end he does and it's it's just i think it's it's pretty good work there it's pretty good our man ethan you know i think he did some good stuff in this movie Mm -hmm. i think that there wasn't there wasn't a lot for him to do in this movie Mm -hmm. honestly because he's like you know, it, it would be pretty easy for someone to come in and play this character in, like, a pretty flat way. Mm-hmm. Just like, ah, go do some suicides, throw in a can at your head. You're never good enough. You're too small. You'll never make it, even though you're successful already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all this shit just to be, like, kind of an asshole. But there's, like, because of the way that Ethan Hawke has played this character, he, like, gives more, like, much more depth to this character than I think is on the page, actually. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's true. So, good job, Ethan. We love you. Yeah. Come on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, he says. He says to him, "Show me what you're made of." Yeah. That's his ending. Coda. Is a different <laughs> word. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, what did you think? I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was like really understated, but like it it, was, it worked it really well for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised when it I was surprised when I um went to Letterboxd and it has an average of 3 stars. Mhm. I that feels low to me. Mhm. I I feel like it should at least be a 3.5. Mhm. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, the, it's not like I don't know. I mean, it's not the most exciting movie. Yeah. But not every movie is exciting, you know? I think it... I don't know. I mean, I I did list, like, or, you know, Ordinary People is one of my favorite movies of all time. And there are some really strong connections between this movie and that one. Like, kind of, like, a shitty parent situation, therapy with a young man thing, mm-hmm. uh, like a kind of devastating depression <laughs> you know that's not really addressed in the family um but i so there are some like themes that are already going to appeal to me about this movie for sure which is probably why i'm you know a little more inclined to like it than more than most people maybe mm-hmm. but i just i just think it did a really good job i don't know i thought that Johnny Simmons was really good. I thought that Paul Giamatti was, you know, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. I thought that Ethan Hawke did a great job, as I mentioned, uh, you know, giving more depth to a character that didn't really need to. 
I think I think with with different actors, this would have been a far worse movie. Mm-hmm. I think the three of them really hold it down. Yeah. What did I you did. think? I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought all of the C. I, I was like, in, I was engaged like for minute one, basically. Mm-hmm. And even though there's like, if, once you're invested in these characters, then you 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 know you care about what happens. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I do think that there's like. There were a couple style things that were a little unnecessary that felt like a director trying to like flex his muscles, mm-hmm. you know, like the scene with Elizabeth Marvel, the way that was shot from like such a, like a low angle um, to kind of make her seem more like bigger and more intimidating right? Um, and to make that seem like an anxious situation for Johnny Simmons for that character. Like I thought that was kind of a little bit much. I didn't think that whole scene was super necessary like i think it was good to have that i agree i don't think it. i don't think they even need to do it at all yeah because i think we get enough from the coach yeah exactly you know don't be like your father like i don't think we need to hear it twice um but so yes there were a couple things like that where it just felt like eh, you know we could have not done this but Mm -hmm. i think otherwise it was um very emotionally resonant and well done I liked it. Yeah, me too. Kind of bleak. Yeah. But I like bleak movies. I do like bleak movies. I believe that. Yeah. Well, um, do you have something you'd like to share with me? I sure do. It's time for Hawk Fact. Kaka. Do you also want to do a hawk noise? Oh, yeah, sure. I thought you'd never <laughs> ask. <laughs> nice. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, we have this guy, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> we sure do. sports psychologist. Uh-huh. What a psychologist does, I mean, they get inside <laughs> someone's brain. <gasps> You know, spooky. So I was thinking, how well do we understand a hawk's brain? Oh, okay, it's going a different direction. No, I'm not cutting a. I'm not talking about cutting a bird's brain in half. No, no, no. I thought you were gonna say do hawks eat brains. <laughs> yeah, that's where your mind went. Hmm. What do you think that means? Um, I don't know that. Uh. I like to chomp on brains on them. Mm-hmm. So how much do we know about a hawk's brain? Not a lot. I mean, I don't. Well, it turns out that according to summitdaily.com, the news of Summit, Colorado, not only are they brackets hawks, uh, not only do they bracket hawks have acute vision, but they are very intelligent. A Canadian scientist devised a method of measuring avian IQ in terms of their innovation in feeding habits. And hawks were named among the most intelligent birds based on this scale. Um, so this this doctor's, uh, Dr. Lefebvre, Lefebvre, it's in, unpronounceable, um, he basically compiled compiled a bunch of reports from 
a lot of like uh understandings of birds are kind of based on like bird watching so like you know a bird watcher will see something kind of unusual and they'll say to their local audubon society like oh hey this is kind of interesting maybe you can you know use this or whatever um and so he basically took a bunch of like 2000 kind of reports based of on things that birds do uh to indicate uh their ability to uh what do they call it like problem solve basically Mm -hmm. um and the so this is from sciencedaily.com Dr. Lefebvre says the IQ index meticulously avoids the factor that gets feathers ruffled with human IQ tests, cultural bias. The index statistically takes into account differences in the number of observations for commonly seen birds, such as crows and rare isolated sightings. Even then, he says, there's a clear, oh, bird innovation, that's what they call it, feeding innovation. Even then, he says, there's a clear hierarchy for bird innovation ability. The crow and falcon families are at the top of the class, followed by hawks, woodpeckers, and herons. So basically, they it, the idea is to measure the ability of a hawk to, yeah, like solve problems, and the problems all have to do with their ability to access food. Um, so there, there's this uh, article from Audubon.org about uh, eight different ways that researchers test the bird intelligence. Um, so there's uh a bird is presented with two strings one is visibly connected to a piece of food can the bird pull the string that will bring in its reward so how likely is a bird to not just use trial and error to find the right string but to actually recognize what it's looking at and do do the thing that it needs to do based on it um many bird species have passed the test including parrots ravens turkey vultures and crows Is turkey vulture one thing? Turkey vulture, yeah, one thing. Oh. Is it like a turkey that eats dead things? I don't know. I think it's. I assume it's a type of vulture. I'm sure. Turkey vulture. Let's see what it looks like. Turkey vulture. A vulture the size of a turkey is pretty terrifying to me. It looks kind of small, actually. Oh, okay. Their length is 2.1 to 2.7 feet. Not that small. small. Oh, yeah, it's a type of vulture. It's the most widespread of the New World vultures. Mm, Okay. Just a type of vulture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then they have uh, the box test. Researchers place food inside a clear box that has several different access points. The smarter the animal, the faster it will figure out how to get to the chow. Yeah, so they have all these different kind of tests that they do to measure how intelligent birds are. But basically, birds are very smart. Birds are smarter than you think they would be, especially ravens, but also our beloved hawks are intelligent as well. I believe it. According to Dr. Lefebvre. 
Is it spelled L-E-F-E-V-R-E? It's L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E. It's probably like Lefebvre. Lefebvre. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you. That was a that was a very good, uh, great, great hot pack. Thank you, Jonathan. I forget what I usually... I know I usually say the same thing there, but I can't think of what it is right now. Thank you for that wonderful hot pack, Jonathan. Something like that. But that's not right either. Well, it doesn't have to be scripted. I know. I just feel like there's something that that should be natural to say there that I'm that's escaping me because it's almost my bedtime. Mm -hmm. You could say very informative, Jonathan, and you're so handsome. Very informative, Jonathan, and you're so handsome. Thank you. That felt really natural. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I've been Harper. You can find me on the Internet at Harping About on Instagram and Letterboxd and Twitter. And I watched a few things in the last week. Um, I'm going to say I watched Cursed Mm -hmm. and The Witcher, both of which are on Netflix, mostly because I am pretty active on Tumblr. If you uh, really want to know what my Tumblr is, DM me and I'll tell you. That doesn't need to be super public, though. Mm. Um, But... Yeah, so it's really hard for me to go any period of time at all on Tumblr without seeing gift sets of Cursed and The Witcher. So I thought, what the hey, I'll just watch them. So I watched both of those shows in like 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked The Witcher more than Cursed, I would say. Mm. But I thought Cursed was pretty engaging as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something else that I watched that I'm not thinking of, but oh well. Um, yeah, so I just kind of had like a Netflix weekend. Very nice. Uh, yeah, so go check out those shows. Uh, I guess I should say Cursed is like a Arthur Merlin Knights of the Round Table kind of prequel mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, The Witcher is based on a book slash video game mm-hmm. um it's about some kind of like you know 1200s magic shit so henry cavill's really hot with some like white hair and there's a lady with purple eyes mm-hmm. yeah so that was fun um did I have something else I'm supposed to say here? No. Jonathan, um, <laughs> where can the people find you? And I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where can the people find you? And do you have anything you like to plug? You can find me on Instagram.com slash John Zavaletta and also Letterboxd.com slash John Zavaletta, probably. And a thing I've been enjoying, I decided to... S- oh, I'm still doing my Bond marathon it's not really a marathon it's a it's like a long viewing experience a long viewing experience yes just watched uh um the spy who loved me starring yes one of my favorite themes from the bond universe nobody does it better by carly simon carly simon love her kevin above me the spy who loved me oh so good so good and uh probably the best 
Roger Moore movie. Baby, you're the best. So far. It's got, it's fun because there's a, there's a, the Bond girl is like a Russian spy and they're kind of like, she like outwits him sometimes, you know, and they're working together to like, cause both the Russians and the British are being attacked by like a mysterious foe. So the British and the Russians have to team up and all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's this crazy lair that comes out of the water uh, that looks like kind of like the Temple of Doom um and it's too long and it's got some dumb stuff in it but overall as far as roger moore james bond movies goes the best ones so far oh and jaws is in it one of the, the most shark? Re- no jaws is a character one of the henchmen from mm. probably this maybe the second most famous james bond henchman after odd job um or maybe even the most famous he's in two different movies and his whole thing is that he has, uh, like, steel teeth, and he can chew through anything. Spooky. It's very ridiculous, <laughs> but it's fun. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't seen The Spy Who Loved Me or any James Bond movies, don't start with that one. But as far as Roger Moore Yeah, if you haven't go, seen this movie from, like, 50 or 60 years ago. Yeah. Um another thing uh no that's the thing i've been enjoying nice that's a great thing mm-hmm. well you can follow the podcast at hot guys pod on instagram twitter tumblr and beyond uh no really just those places and um guys uh leave a review yeah leave a five rate, stars rate we review five we stars hard. harper works hard i occasionally put in a mild amount of effort but harper genuinely works hard on this podcast i do fall she asleep every sunday night editing this podcast she so is can the come wind out beneath this podcast wings on monday mornings this podcast being a beautiful soaring hawk Ca-ca. and harper being the hyper intelligent brain <laughs> and i being the pooper yeah i get through that glass box real quick yeah um yeah so subscribe rate review follow tell your friends tweet about i'm sure you have so many friends that are dying to listen to a podcast about ethan hawk so seems weirdly sarcastic i know sorry i'm sure you have so many friends that are dying to listen to a podcast about ethan hawk i'm sure you guys have so (laughs) many friends that are dying to listen to a podcast about ethan hawk (laughs) it's like fozzy bear from the muppets show when he was trying to lie. He's a hacker. <laughs> All right, goodbye. <laughs>